Welcome to Distill365. The show where Steve and Madame distill Office 365. So, Moraine, here we are again. Yes, number three. Yes, number three. Here we are. And we've got some cool stuff we want to talk about this time. Sure. Uh, Do we want to go over what we are talking about today? Tell you what, why don't we set an agenda about what we're going to do today? Yes, that is always a brilliant idea. That is actually a really good learning point that we could talk about this week is always set an agenda before a meeting. Or not. Or, or not, not have the meeting at all and save lots of time. Yes. Make the decisions yes. and then only if you're unsure, have a meeting. And end off with a whiskey. Uh, in the meeting. Yeah, uh, maybe not. No. We are going to do that today, though. So let's start yeah. at the end and then we'll do the agenda <laughs> for the beginning. So uh, I was in Dublin this weekend. Yes, you were. And so I was looking around and uh, we went for a Teeling whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually distilled in uh, Dublin. So yeah. we'll tell That's them all about that. It's good because the, the first episode we were in Scotland. The second one we had a bourbon uh, from the States. So I think it's a, it's a good idea to now uh, come back a little bit closer and stop in Ireland for our third whiskey. In Ireland. So is that now a whiskey or a a whiskey with an E? Yes, E-Y. Okay. Does that mean we need to go to Japan next time? Ooh. (laughs) Let's. Some point in the future, because I don't think I have a bottle of Japanese. Do you have a Japanese? I have. Then definitely we'll do that Yes, yes. Cool. Anyway, that was the really good stuff. Now let's go on to the boring Office 365 stuff. Oh, yeah. No, we're not boring. So what do we want to do today? I think we need to keep the same structure, because it seems to work for us. We'll have a quick talk about the learnings that we've had this week. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then I think we want to talk a little bit about governance, don't we? Yeah, sure. But baseline governance. Nothing too heavy. Not this time. I think we're going to build on it perhaps over future episodes mm-hmm. um, and then we'll get on to uh, cracking the the whiskey and giving everybody an opinion of uh, of what it's like does that sound good for you absolutely let's get cracking all right who's going to start off with so what about your first learning this week what is uh, what have you managed to bring to the table well the the, the first thing um i i learned um i think it was somewhere in the middle of last week or early last week was that i got this email from Microsoft because I'm an I'm a tenant admin I get this email uh, saying well uh, starting in the end of November we're gonna email all your users about all the stuff uh, that they're getting and about all the learning and tips and tricks and stuff like that and and my first opinion was like what uh, mine was the same. What? What a great idea! Was that yours? Oh, no, no. I was you like, don't think it was a good idea. No, don't don't talk to my don't talk to don't talk to my people. They're my people. <laughs> my people. I want to take care of them. No, I want to. I have this whole user adoption plan set out, and when are we gonna tell what, and and when are we gonna roll out what, and and it all nicely lines up with uh, a number of uh, events and things that we want to do and we've got our cookies and knowledge things where we first want to teach all our users the basics of how to work with a computer because that's true because computers are new aren't they let's think they've already been around now to give you to give you an example i got a question from somebody that says hey uh, i've got this word document here and I saw somebody put a picture in it and there was some really nice sticks just below the picture, like P 
picture 25, double point, blah, blah, blah. This is what the picture is about. How can I do that in Word? That's so cool. Okay, so how many different features do you think there are in Word? Oh, hundreds, hundreds. 500? Absolutely. 1,000 yeah. even? Yeah. And so you, are you expecting all your users to no, know I all don't. about those features? No, I don't. But this, so, is, this is one of the basic So which pieces, which pieces do you teach them then? Who's, who has the ability to know, everybody in the organization, of what they need to know? Because the point of these emails from Microsoft is not actually to try and be specific, but to try and keep people motivated about trying new things. So why would you want to tell them stuff that you want them to know when you don't really know what they want? And just to finish off, they all want something different. Some people do a lot more pictures, some people do graphs. So. I don't, I don't get it. Why would people actually be upset when Microsoft is giving you free training material? Oh, they have been giving free training material for a really long time now. And I, I must add, it's, it's amazing material that I reuse constantly. But I don't want them to target the people in the company. I want to I wanna have that agenda myself. Control freak. Yeah, just a, just a little bit. Seriously, yeah, I yeah. mean, we've seen a lot of stuff online, haven't we, about this? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. You know, I have this nice program yeah. for rolling mm -hmm. out and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but and and we obviously have a difference of opinion on this. You know, I I think we. I don't think we ever agree on the same topic. <laughs> no, except but, on the whiskey, of course. Yeah, we but, do yeah. agree. Actually, uh, we agree eventually, which is yeah. the main thing, mm -hmm. which means that we end up, uh, you know, covering most of the subjects. Um, but in in this case, I believe that very often we underestimate the users because we take the low risk approach, mm -hmm. which says, you know, there is a risk with not giving them enough information and there's a risk with giving them too much information. But you know, some people will accept lots of information and just cipher out what they want. Other people will just lay back and just do what you tell them to do. And then you're sort of controlling how quickly they learn, the skills they have available to them. So somebody may want to put a chart into a Word document today, but it's not scheduled in your great plan for another eight weeks. So what do they do then? They phone the help desk. True. And then they learn how to do it anyway. Yeah. So maybe that's the answer. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they point. should just be anyway, given help. Anyway, to wrap this point up, uh, I actually got an uh, email or an update uh, on the email from Microsoft and they said, well, a lot of people are not happy uh, and we will uh, delay the feature for now uh, until we can work out what is stressing people and what would be a good way or a good time to set it up. Well, what's really sad, actually, I think, is, is Microsoft have said, we're just going to hold off until we can give you some controls. And so they've, you know, we're going to turn it on and they give us some mm. steps and things on how to turn it off at admin level. But wouldn't it be really cooler if you could decide what order those emails go out in? Yeah, absolutely. So, but they're yeah. not talking and, about and doing also, that. And also about which applications. For example, if I'm using Nintex in my organization, do I want uh, flow emails to go around? Because then I have to manage another application. With uh, Power Apps, for example, if we've got something like Skybo or whatever, uh, do I want to have people create Power Apps as well next to my Skybo applications? So you, if you've got an in-text, then you won't be using Flow? It's a decision that somebody needs to make. Baseline governance. We'll cover that yeah. in a little while. We'll All cover right. that in a little yeah. while. All right, so that's your thing mm -hmm. uh, from this week. I, I actually don't really know. There's been a few things from me um, this week that, uh, that I've been chewing on, one of which touches on it a little bit, 
which is um, I, I have had to put together some design, high level design documents um, on how the Office 365 is going to be uh, rolled out in the organization. So it's, the, it's, it's a information architecture design or it's more like a... It includes some of that. So okay. it, it's basically for the business to agree what their expectations are. So we will talk about how we feel we're going to do collaboration because there's different ways of doing collaboration, mm -hmm. different areas. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about the information architecture and we'll talk about how we're going to get taxonomy information and stuff. But the idea really is that we put, we're setting the stakes in the ground and they'll go, you know, yeah, that's the kind of functionality we need. And it will drive a lot of stuff like what licenses we need to roll out. Mm -hmm. So if, they, if they're saying, yes, we really need to sort of automate the tagging or automate the ability to find these documents or if the legal team say, we really need automated e-discovery uh, because we do a lot of it, for example, then they'll be able to say in the early stages that's where they want to go. So part of me is sort of... Uh, working on that we've been working on something called bloom for a while haven't we mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where we we're looking for ways of the business to be able to tell us what they want out of office 365 without getting complicated mm -hmm. and without understanding where yeah. they're going so but again i think that's also part of this this baseline governance subject that we'll, we'll talk sure. a little bit yeah. later i guess the other thing that uh, that i've come across is the idea of these changes of responsibilities so if i'm in a non-cloud environment today i have somebody looking after uh, email I have somebody looking after maybe Jabber if that's what I've got if uh, I'm going to or Skype online I've got somebody else looking after servers you know and of course once you go to the cloud there's a 70% of those roles are going to change and be, be reading oh so yeah yeah absolutely there's yeah. a lot of work going on mm -hmm. about that transformation mm -hmm. and of course everybody's doing this business this DevOps transformation so that all's come into the this whole process so uh, my brain has been thinking about how how involved I need to get in on that because if I am setting up how Office 365 content is going to be managed and run and migrated, then I need to be able to liaise with, for example, the storage people because mm -hmm. storage is suddenly going to move to SharePoint. Does that mean they don't have a job anymore? Oh, or uh -huh. does that mean they mm -hmm. set the standards mm -hmm. and that has to be applied? Yep. So there's a whole bunch of questions around yep. that. So that's that's where my thinking has been well, this I've week. Got, I've got uh, some of the same questions from... Uh, uh, some people that are doing some front office stuff like uh, the secretaries and, and people like that, they're also wondering like, oh, but with all the new stuff that is coming, like uh, all the, the new design features and whatever in, in, in PowerPoint, for example, will we be out of a job? That's true because Word documents will write themselves and PowerPoint presentations will suddenly occur. But do oh, people well. really think that way? Yeah, well, I've I've got a few uh, concerned people that are saying like, you know, like for in five or ten years, where will we be? But I think twenty years ago, or maybe even longer, when people invented the typewriter or the personal computer instead of the typewriter, maybe a lot of people were thinking the same way as well. That's true. So That's I true. think I think it's what you said is very true that we we don't need to get rid of those people we need to make sure that they fit in the new organization reskill them yeah absolutely i think it's part of some change work as well that you've been doing true, discovering true. And yeah. researching this yeah. week so a few weeks ago i uh, on twitter i saw somebody that i very vaguely know um say something uh, about hey i've got a certificate in something called uh prosky or proshi um uh, adoption uh, so I, I was like mm, what is that okay and then um, I saw some blog posts earlier this week around that uh, change adoption model. Uh, so I was wondering like, oh, 
what is that? So I went to their website. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and it's an international organization and they have a really cool change management strategy or adoption strategy. In a few weeks, I'll be talking about uh, user adoption in Bruges for uh, the, um, what do you call that? It's not a university, it's the... College. The college, college. yeah, something like that, yeah. So there's a, there's a study about... Um, that also handles Office 365 there. And I'm, I'm going to give a guest lecture there about uh, uh, user adoption. And I'm definitely going to uh, reuse uh, one of their uh, main slides or main idea points. And that's the ADCAR uh, change management process. And ADCAR is... Uh, um, so the ADCAR says A-D-K-A-R. Yes. Just so that it's yeah. clear for people. Yeah. So it stands for uh, awareness. So you need to create awareness that you need to change. You need to create a desire. So that's the D. So you need to want to change. So you've got knowledge uh, there. How so that you, yeah, how to change. Uh, action. So actually changing. And then reinforcement is the last one to make sure that you stay on the right path and, and, and maybe start the whole change path uh, cool. over and over so it's a little bit like our training experience you tell them once you tell them twice and then you remind them again just before they leave the classroom something like yeah, that, that something place, like that but obviously yeah. on a bigger mm-hmm. scale mm-hmm. alright mm-hmm. cool yeah. and maybe we'll, we'll talk on that one a little bit later on another podcast because that sounds like a good subject absolutely yeah the day yeah. we get Tony in our friend Tony oh. that does all the change stuff yeah <laughs> All right, cool. So let's move back a little bit to this baseline governance idea that uh, I wanted to to discuss on a little bit. Uh, I'm not quite sure how we're going to go with this yet, but it struck me that there's certain things that you have to know about Office 365, which is around the governance, okay? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Regardless of how far down the line you are. Um, and uh, and I'm calling this baseline governance. And you said earlier, yeah. you know, well, actually, what do you call baseline governance? Yeah. And and why why would I want to do baseline governance? Why don't I want to get like six very expensive consultants for six months full time in my organization to try to figure out what I want to have? This is you in the consultant, isn't it? You want to be one of those highly paid six consultants. Oh for yes, six please, months. please, please, please. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no. I know that's not the yeah. way you think. No. Um, the reason I was thinking this was that uh, there's certain things in an organisation that only the organisation know. So for me, that they they define then how something will work. And then there's some of the obvious ones, and we'll get into those in a minute. So we're going to break this down a little bit and look at OneDrive, SharePoint, emails, and Teams. But to answer your question, um, let's assume that we decide as an organization, this organization says we're going to get in, you know, Big Five Company X, who's got a lot of experience in uh, Office 365, to define our governance for us. And they're going to sit you down at the table, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what do they know at this point? Only the stuff that's on the website. They maybe. know nothing. No. They know nothing about your mm. people. They know nothing about the, the things you have in place at the moment. Uh, whereas you know a lot, believe it or not. Absolutely. You, because yeah. uh, as a consultant, you do, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. as the user that's no, decided no, no, no. to yeah. do this, you know a lot. You yeah. know, for example, uh, how easy your organization takes change. Mm. All right, so you can put a gauge on that. Yeah. You also but that's, know that's the whole chicken and egg thing, of course. What comes first? Yeah. So I've got all the knowledge about my organization. Uh, the consultant has a lot of knowledge about the application or the platform that I want to implement. And we somewhere need to meet in the middle. Yeah, but I think that 
in fact, I know that I don't think at all. I don't think very often, but I do know that people form ideas and concepts around this and people will always look and say, um, I'm going to put OneDrive in. What's OneDrive? And they'll Google it and they'll look at OneDrive and they'll get some idea. They'll have set up a temporary uh, tenant. They will mm -hmm. have tested it and looked at it and read other things. So you form what I call baseline governance in your mind about, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to have OneDrive in. Now, some of that is going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I had a project manager once and the project manager said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to save money by not buying any SharePoint storage. Because what we're going to do is we're going to give, tell everybody to save their stuff on OneDrive. Yeah, and just share it out with everyone. Yep. Yeah, that's oh. what they're going to do. So Brilliant I, idea. No, absolutely. So I, I said to him, um, you know, uh, what's your staff turnover like? And then in particularly went, well, you know, it's quite high because we're a young organization at 20%. So I said, so Whoa. you're going to, you're going to, it wasn't really 20%, no, okay. I'm picking no, a figure, no. but let's say it's 10% then if that's yeah. more realistic. So you're going to buy 10% new licenses every year. And he said, why? I said, well, basically you're never going to be able to delete any licenses because your content is stored in OneDrive. And if you want to keep that OneDrive open mm -hmm. and those shares. Mm -hmm. So you read this, you learn this. And so your baseline governance says, okay, how am I going to use OneDrive? And you take all those kinds of things into consideration. So... Um, on that basis, if you get where I'm coming from, I am. What is your number one or your first baseline governance on OneDrive that you that people should consider? Mm. You know, or that area. So, mm -hmm. what is the? Mm -hmm. Okay. Why don't okay, I just okay. take a, a drink here? It's not yeah. the whiskey that comes no. later, but. Wow. Well, of course. Um, yeah, of course. External access comes to mind. So how so, do you wanna how do you wanna enable people to share things from their own personal disk space to other people? Okay, so your baseline governing items on your document that you will tell your big high flying consultants is, we need to have external access for people to share OneDrive accounts. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the non-baseline stuff, the more complicated stuff. Is, is there any people you don't want to share this with? Is the people that you will share people with on a regular basis? How do we set those accounts up? Do yeah. we set them as B2B? Do we set them up as... So there's all those more complicated things. But from a baseline perspective, you've done external access. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a bunch of baseline things that people always need to think about. External is one. I also think about sharing links is another. So mm -hmm. do you have anonymous mm -hmm. links? Mm -hmm. Do you allow anybody to share anonymous links that uh, means they can edit the document, for example? Oh, yeah. I, I had a strange one. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to set up a link lifeline for, for anonymous links. So we're going to allow them to do anonymous links. So click a button, get a link, share it with somebody. But it's only going to last somewhere around 20 or 30 minutes. So wow. You, okay. You know, right? You can only share it for 20 or 30 minutes. And there's a specific reason. Now, I fooled you with this earlier, so we can pretend you still don't know, but you obviously do know. But Tell do you think me. it was a good idea? <laughs> no, I, I, I was quite baffled by the idea at first. Like, why, why would I want to send somebody a link that would only 
be alive for 20 minutes but i was thinking about emailing somebody a link oh look this is the the thing that we were talking about earlier yeah and if they don't read their email for an hour then they've lost the link yeah but i think there's specific cases when um uh, i'm setting up i'm doing a conference call and mm -hmm. it might not be one on skype it might be on a webex it might be somebody else's conference call and you want to say you know i've got a presentation on that and you can send that link out they can all open it and then 20 minutes later, that link is dead and it's not valid anymore. Yeah. So, you know, if you change it, if you update it, you're still keeping those as internal. And it depends on the organization. And again, that baseline thing is I know my organization. My organization is very protective of IPR or sharing things or getting fake news out there through my... So mm -hmm. for doing anonymous links, we would keep them short as an example. Okay. And again, that's baseline governance. I don't know what's involved with it, the implications, the positives, the negatives. That's what they come and talk to you and I for. And we then tell them the good sides or the bad sides and we take it from there. And if they want to do links that are editable, then I might tell them they need to whitelist them. And then we'll put a process in for them to whitelist the companies that they want to work with. Because hmm. your philosophy, I believe, is that you should have everything open. Hmm, everything is maybe a little bit much, but and I think so. Again. Yeah. Everything uh, maybe. <laughs> everything yeah. everything maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it it depends on, on the feeling that I get when I'm working with a certain yeah. customer. For some customers I will say, No, let's not do that because mistakes will be made and IPR will be lost, money will be lost. Uh, for other customers I think hell yeah, let's give them the tools that they want, let's give them the tools that they need so that they can actually perform better, collaborate faster. See, I think that this is where Office 365 is, is it's, it's the awesomeness about the way Microsoft are approaching everything. They've given me the ability, uh, and we go back to these training emails, if you like, mm -hmm. but they've given me the ability to share a link with somebody anonymously because people were saying, hey, it's complicated. And two years ago, I think it was two years ago at, uh, at an Ignite, it might have been three actually in Chicago, but they, uh, or th it doesn't matter. Um, they said, hey, you can now do an anonymous link. And that anonymous link was, oh, that's dangerous. But actually, it's random. So nobody can remember it or, yeah. or anything. No, true. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of controls on it. Mm. And so now I can really tailor the solutions for the business and change them. We talked about a link for a sales organization, didn't we, earlier? Mm -hmm. Where they say, this is our product catalog. Yeah, and sure. so you can yeah. give everybody the same link. And then you can set the link to never expire. But it's read-only. And you know that it goes to a specific content. There's risks. If somebody else puts anything in that folder, if it's a folder link or if that file gets replaced with something else, then potentially. But the upside, of course, is that I can keep updating that folder and I'm good sure, to go. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's like people would do one with an FTP server, for example, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. That's what like I would that. do then. Yeah. But I think from a baseline government's perspective, you just list these are the things that I need to happen from a business perspective. So in, if we're talking about an agile world, they're, they're an epic they're mm -hmm. a business mm -hmm. definition of something that needs to happen. And underneath it, the user stories are how I set up anonymous links, how I set up permanent links, whitelisting, blacklisting. And then that forms the big governance document, the yeah. detailed governance yeah. document. And of course, that changes on a regular basis as Microsoft had new features. So that's okay. baseline governance. Okay, okay. What are we doing for time? Hey, we've got some more time. So let's try a different one then. So baseline governance in SharePoint. What would we have as baseline governance from a SharePoint perspective? I think one of the first things, if we talk about a collaborative 
platform is my first uh, thing that I would think about with governance would be who would be able to create something like this. Do I want everyone in my organization to be able to create something like this to enable them to work better? Uh, or do I want to have some kind of um, approval cycle in place? Like, okay, I want to create a new SharePoint site around this. Uh, and then somebody has to say, yeah, that's okay. You can do that. And then it gets created because otherwise we could end up with things like site sprawl, uh, five uh, SharePoint sites created around the same topic, stuff like that. So, so baseline governance to me then is, do I want site sprawl or not? Because I don't have to go into the details. Do I actually want to say, hey, I'm going to let anybody create a site and I'm going to manage it afterwards by, say, putting a policy in? Mm. Or I actually want to control it up front? Yeah. And that's baseline governance to me. Mm -hmm. So it's those list of the bullets that need to happen. So that's a great example. Um, the other one I, I think about baseline governance is the default access model. Oh, so yeah, yeah, things yeah. like the owner member visitor model. So yeah. they're the, the default ones. Mm -hmm. So, but am I going to be able to edit my other teams or can I only read my other teams? So again, a baseline security model that says, all right, the model is that I can edit my own team and I can read every other team in my division. Now search has been improved and I know I'm, I'm going off at a tangent here a little bit and the graph, of course, then I think it's now we're in a better position with SharePoint for the first time in 20 odd years. Oh yeah. Well, okay, not quite mm -hmm. that long. How are we? 2018 SharePoint team sites in 2018 yeah. years yes. or thereabouts, uh, where you can actually open up all the sites and not get loaded up with, just because I search on something, because I'm searching the graph now instead of searching all these text words and I'm getting a lot more prioritized work, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter so much that I'm actually have read access to something miles away that's irrelevant to me and a more chance of finding my work. But there's a baseline model. I might say, this is what I can read by default. This is what I can edit. So that would be, for me, a baseline governance decision that oh, can yeah. be built on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what else in SharePoint? Baseline governance. Anything else at the top of your head? Um, uh, Document libraries, versioning, maybe. Yeah, on and off. I was going yeah. with content types and, yeah. and whether, and not what content the content types, types are. Content types and content type hubs. Yeah. Yes. I, I read a, a really cool uh, discussion on Twitter a few yeah. days ago about yeah, I know okay, for that off. do do we wanna do we wanna keep using the content type hub or do we wanna use something like PMP PowerShell to uh, add uh, content types to certain sites? Yeah, that was a survey, didn't it? It started off as a survey. It started off as a survey by uh, Joanne Klein, I yeah, think. Yeah, and then Joanne yeah. didn't quite like the results either. No, so Joanne, no. I agree with you. I'm not entirely sure that I agree either, but people mm -hmm. went content type up. But, and I was thinking about that. I think it's just simplicity. But uh, I think it, it may well be right with the new stuff that Microsoft are doing there. So, but yes, content types is, again, it's simple baseline. So it's, do I want to do content types or not? And if I do want to do content types, then I get onto the work of how I'm going to do them and what's the hierarchy of them and everything else. So, yeah, I think that's quite neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's also some baselines about um, uh, the new hub technology and hubifying sites. Mm -hmm. So baseline decision, I'm going to have a hub site for every uh, division. For example, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I'm going to connect all the other sites yeah. to it. And yeah. that's just my basic yeah. baseline model. And the idea really is, I hope you're getting this, guys and girls, is that uh, the baseline governance is the kind of 
overriding ideas and decisions you have when you're putting the thing together. And then, of course, you build on it from there. Yeah. Um, and you then learn by your mistakes, get some expertise in from other people and test it and, mm. and away you go. Yeah. Uh, anything what on would email? Be, what would be really cool about hub sites yeah. uh, would be that um, what if we could actually add a site to different hubs? That would be cool. To put, uh, for example, uh, in, in one of my customers, we've got a hub as the intranet. So our right. intranet is a communication site. It's it's our hub site. All our other uh, sites are uh, connected to it. Um, but what if I could, for example, if I've got a, a multinational corporation, what if I want to have, for example, a hub per country and a hub per uh, division, for example, as you say. So, okay. so, so maybe this. This, the sales team from Mexico around technical product B uh, could be both in the Mexico hub because that could serve as an intranet for everyone working in Mexico. And on the other hand, uh, the site could also be in the division because it's also uh, a division site. And maybe a third one could also be in the main sales hub. This, this kind of three-layer model that I, I talk to my customers, and I know you and I have discussed it before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, information, structure, and knowledge. So uh, we start off with our structure, so we have these sites because that's where people connect to mm-hmm. and they get filled with information. So that information tends to be local with a small area and then you get the knowledge added to it and that's where the content types comes in, where it starts to deliver it. And listen, this is a conversation for another piece. Um, but the advanced data governance stuff, the advanced stuff, which would actually allow you to do what you, I think you've just been saying, which is, hey, I'm in Mexico and I've got a document on a sales document that I've, a presentation that I've created for my customers on product Y, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because product X was taken. Yep. Uh, so, sorry, sense of humor. <laughs> right, so product Y um, and the, the team uh, in India also have presentations on product Y. They never get to see each other's sites, but the data governance stuff with the machine machine learning capabilities will actually go, hey, those two presentations are the same along with these 17 others, and they're all tagged this way. And if you set it up properly, you can make sure they're picking up the same taxonomies. So all of a sudden, by doing it at the knowledge level or that uh, architecture level, then uh, people would understand and know about those other products. Sorry, I've just clattered the microphone. <laughs> so those, those of you that's in the car and just gone, oh, what was that noise? It was me hitting the microphone. Oh, okay. All right, cool. So on that note, I think it's time to uh, go to our uh, next uh, part of the show. Oh, no. No, again. Oh, if we really, really, oh, really must. Oh, God. All right. Yeah, so this is Office 365 Distilled. Uh, if you read the first episode, you know, it's about distilling some information down. Uh, we're very chilled out and relaxed about mm-hmm. it. And, of course, it's distilled in more sense than one in that we want to take, you know, our barley and our hot water that's been heated to the particular uh, temperature left for a couple of days, and then it's distilled to bring out those beautiful alcohol flavors and then yeah. stuck into a barrel. Yeah. And those barrels, depending on where you come from, different parts of the world will have different things in them. And they'll Absolutely. Uh, and have, uh, go yeah. on some, well, the Japanese ones, for example, use oak and the Berber one use oak. Irish and Scottish tend to bring those bourbon barrels in and they put their whiskey into to those barrels, which is why it's a darker color. <laughs> but we've actually got a whiskey today that was done in a very strange barrel. Absolutely. This and one, this one is has been... Uh, Riping for six months in a rum barrel. Which basically means the colour's a little darker. 
Yeah. And maybe the flavour is as well. So we'll mm-hmm. find out. Okay, okay. So it's so, Irish. Yeah. Go on, tell them about that why I pour this. Okay. So the whiskey that we're gonna sample today is Oh, I just love the sound of that. <laughs> the whiskey that we're sampling today is uh, the Teeling, and it's the Teeling small batch. Um, so that basically means that um, it's there, a wasn't, small there wasn't a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called there, the Angel there, Share. The angels <laughs> went away with everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's supposed to reduce. Yeah. So, so it's it's Irish. It's actually from Dublin. It's uh, the it's the uh, only distillery in Dublin. Um, and uh, oh okay oh yes yeah, so you're mm-hmm, gonna take the smaller mm-hmm. one yep. only because you're driving only so. because I'm driving yeah uh, because just like we said last uh, time uh, please don't drink and drive and and don't uh, uh, yeah be sensible about alcohol anyway yeah I don't pretend yep. you're at something like a Microsoft Ignite conference where you've only got to go back to the hotel yes you need true. to yeah. uh, keep your yeah. yeah. So, so let's have a look at this. The, the color is actually really nice. It's more subtle it than I thought it was yeah. going to be. Yeah. Or your, dos- or your glasses are uh, dirty or uh, it's, it's a really no, weird uh, color. Oh, not really weird, but it's... They call this mahogany and I can see why. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, the color is just different. Yeah. It's more see-through. It's not that... Yeah. yeah, it's nice. So there you yeah. go, the first okay. color. Yeah. And also, as when you see it on the glass, you can see the body of it as it runs down. We was looking at how the best mm-hmm. way of tasting this the other day. And uh, it's very similar to, to the way you do red wine in terms of understanding. The tannins uh, that yeah. are flowing Beautiful. down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the nose for me. Yeah, you definitely get that rum a little bit out of it. Yeah, yeah it also brings the fruit out. I can get orange in there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Apples, lots of apples. Mm. Yeah, I don't get that. No? But then again, everybody smells this yeah. and tastes it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very cool. Of course, the, the vanilla, like you always get. Yeah. It's always there. That is very nice. Mm. I wonder if we'll ever have a whiskey where we go, <coughs> it's awful. But that is nice. Oh, yes. Well, the finish is going on and on and on. It is, it is. It's a bit like the, the Bruegeladig that we had uh, on the first uh, episode. This one's, yeah. this one's a bit harsher than that, though. That one was a lot that was a bit smoother. We, uh, we, was, we was looking at some uh, tasting notes for this, weren't we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And apparently the finish is supposed to be slightly Moorish. Yeah, we've, which, got, we've got no idea what that means. No, the only so. thing I could say was I just want more and more and more <laughs> yes. of it. And, but I can understand yes. why. This is very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an unusual thing as well. That it, you tend to taste it more under your tongue. And I guess that's where the sweetness comes from, as opposed to on the sides. Well, now, for me, it, 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 it comes a lot from the sides of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely, yeah. So, there was the Irish. So, we've done... Uh, the Scottish and the, the bourbon, and now we've done an Irish. I have to say, Irish is my favourite whiskey. I, I know, really I know like it, it is. I know it and, is. And uh, yeah. I had a great time in Dublin, but uh, I got to taste some rather nice Irish. And this Teeling one is the one I brought back for us to, to taste. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it worked out really, really well. Yeah, so, um, I, I have to get a bottle of this one definitely for the the times when you come over to Antwerp. Then uh, we need to have yeah. it ready. There. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there you go, whiskey okay. of this one, Teeling whiskey. It's a small distillery in uh, in Dublin, 
Uh, they've just released their first batch because it only started, takes three years, of course. So their first 6,000 bottles are there. If you want to invest in it and you can get one of those 6,000 bottles, it'll uh, it'll be worth a, uh, you know, a little bit of money and a good investment. All right. Maybe, yeah. So... so- Let's start off. Uh, let's end end the show with start uh, off with the yeah, show. Start off with the show. Whiskey, yes. Wow. Now end the show with uh, I think one takeaway from each of us. <clears throat> what the best part of the show? Yeah. What's your takeaway? What is the one thing that people need to remember when they end? I think that if you're a if you're a consultant and you're a SharePointer uh, from a business perspective, think about that baseline governance and think about the kind of questions you need to ask your customers. And if you're a customer and you're thinking about Office 365, then I think you then take that baseline governance and just make those notes about how we want to share, what we want to share, who we want to email to. Uh, how we want to add counts without going into the details, but so you've got a list of what we want to do. But I, that's my take. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 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 Okay. Cool. Well, for me, it's definitely the 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 Prosky uh, Atkar model. Uh, I I really want to learn more about that. Maybe get certified even. Uh, but I really want to already know. certified. Oh, that's the wrong kind no, of certified. No, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I think we need to wrap this one up. I think we probably. I do. think it's time to wrap this one up. All right, guys. Okay, dear listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, we certainly did. Like we enjoyed the the, the past two episodes as well. Um, as always, if you have any questions, remarks, uh, just things that you want to let us know, uh, just get in touch. Uh, so, Steve, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Hey, on Twitter, uh, uh, at uh, Steve, S-E-I Steve. And, uh, yeah, put me a mention, send me a direct message. Best way to get to me. Just say to me, hey, your uh, uh, latest postcard, episode three, I went out and bought a bottle of Teeling whiskey, and then we'll know we've had a change in your life. Oh, cool, cool, okay. And uh, for me, you can always uh, get to me via Twitter as well, uh, Maran Somers, at Maran Somers, so that's M-A-R-I-J-N-S-O-M-E-R-S. And uh, yeah, drop me a line, uh, let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, what we should talk more of, what we shouldn't talk more of. Uh, let us know, and see you, see you next time. Bye, folks. <laughs>